You're listening to Senior Times Podcasts. Thanks to our sponsors, Expressway Travel Department and Doro Phones, for making this podcast possible. Mike Murphy here welcoming you to the first Senior Times series of podcasts. Over the course of the next months, it'll be my pleasure to interview and chat to some of Ireland's most prominent and interesting people. Among them, broadcasters Ryan Tuberty and Marty Morrissey, entrepreneur and businessman Dennis O'Brien, author Deirdre Purcell, producer and director of Riverdance John McCalgan, communications specialist Terry Prone and many more. We'll also be hearing from experts on pensions, health, financial planning and mindfulness. Thanks to our sponsors, Zurich. Expressway, Doro, and the Sports Surgery Clinic. Hello and welcome to our Senior Times podcast. I'm delighted to have as my guest today, Marty Morrissey. And Marty, of course, is now the ubiquitous Marty Morrissey. Uh, I'm really looking forward to having a chat with you, Marty, because to me, it's like as if you suddenly appeared and yet there's a feeling as if you've always been there. Um, I'm very interested in your career. And I recently interviewed Ryan Tuberty on this podcast. And I started the, the chat by saying to him, Ryan, give me an assessment of where your career stands at the moment. And I think it might be an appropriate way of starting our little chat too. So would you mind addressing that for me and letting me know where you are? Good question, Mike Murphy. Typical, of course, as I would expect. Like, would you not give me a two-marker rather than a humdinger of a six-marker? Assess yourself. I feel like I'm going for a job interview on the Mike Murphy show. Justify yourself. Justify yourself, yeah, yeah. Um... Val Dunican, I remember, had a great saying, I'm an overnight success after 20 years. And in some ways, uh, I I see myself as, uh, I suppose, a hard worker, uh, very much appreciative of where I am. Um, Sometimes it hasn't been easy because when you face, you do face rejection in this business uh, and you try and overcome it and you, you kind of, there's a thin line between being persuasive and maybe being a bit of a pain in the arse, if you know what I mean. So it's kind of, it it is difficult. I've been the GA correspondent for news since 2012. I'd I'd applied for the job as GA correspondent. I'm going off on a tangent just for a moment. And I went through the interviews and I got the job. But I remember sitting in the, uh, being told by uh, one of the, the head honchos in the newsroom that, and I even had the argument in the, in the interview that I wouldn't give up my commentaries to become the GA correspondent. So I was basically given the choice when I was offered the job, despite saying that in the interview, uh, that you got the job, but you have to give up your commentaries. And I said, do you know what? Let me think about this. I remember it was a Friday at about five o'clock. So I thought about it over the weekend and I asked, obviously, family and everything. And on Monday at one o'clock, I, I gave it. I said, no, I'm not taking it. Uh, because to me, I joined, I had a couple of heroes. One of them was sitting across the table from me. The other was Gay Byrne. I love Gay Byrne. And I love Michal Amerhertig. And to be in the same company at the time, as, as uh, Gay was still working there and uh, so was Michal, and to be doing the commentaries. All I wanted was to do commentaries, to be at matches. Never really cared if I never got my face 
or my mug on the screen. It was never an ambition to be famous. All I wanted to do was to go to the games. So for now, this job, to take that away from me, I said, no, I, I'll stay with what I'm doing. So years, a couple of years went by. To tell you the truth, I didn't realise that as correspondent, you didn't do commentaries. Well, that was what they wanted. But there was this logic that was entrenched at the time that you couldn't do both. And my argument was, but being a commentator, you have access to players. Yeah. And there's a trust, which is the biggest thing I think that you can bring to the table, is trust. Um, and I said, you're denying me that, and you're denying the station that. So anyway, time went by, and I uh, did different things. I ended up commentating, and I'm very privileged to have been the commentator on the radio for Katie Taylor's gold medal in London. But when I came back, um, Royal Nugent, who was then head of sport, called me, called me and said, we need to talk. And I said, uh, okay. And he says, yeah, we'll go for dinner. And I said, hello, Ryle, you never bring anybody for dinner unless they're about to get the public P45. I said, did I do something wrong? No, 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 I just need to talk to you. So there was a change of attitude at that stage, which was a couple of years later, and they offered me the job as GA correspondent again with the permission to continue on doing my commentaries. I suppose, you know how you have a journey? So to analyse where you are, it's kind of... We've had a couple of bumps along the road, but overall, my God, Mike, I wouldn't change it for the world. I've enjoyed every bit of it. But where I am, I don't see myself... How would I say it? I still see myself sometimes insecure. Uh, I, I mean, we joke and we laugh, uh, but still, I'd be sensitive to things. Are you on I, staff? I'm on staff. You're on staff, yeah. okay. But I'm not too sure do I want to stay on staff, if I was to be honest. Yeah. I think there is. A, I'd like to do other things at this stage. I look at you, Marty, and um, I, I see uh, somebody who has made a success very much so of your correspondent, your GAA correspondent role. But the fact is, is you've almost been too successful at it in certain <laughs> ways because I can see the divergence in your career. I can see where you're now being asked to uh, appear on A, B, C, D. You did your series with uh, Bernard. Mm, and that seemed Absolutely. You did your Dancing with the Stars. You know, you're... I'm not too sure you call it Dancing, Mike, so, but I mean... You're prancing with I stars. was prancing, prancing with stars. Yeah, good, um, yeah. You, you, you did that. You're doing <laughs> radio programs when, when there are bank holidays and so mm. on. And I can see you heading in another direction, the direction of, if you wish to call it, a TV personality. Mm. Do, you, do you agree with me? I can, I can see where the temptations have got to be there. But of course, you're back to the point you started with. You're, if you do, you're going to forfeit something else Correct. and take a chance. Correct. And, and, and I suppose there's a part of me that probably wants to take that chance or be given the chance. I mean, I have to be honest, my RT have been good to me to allow because there is, I think, across all companies, there would be kind of a, a box effort, if you know what I mean. Mike Murphy, uh, yeah. entrepreneur, but you had, to, you had to leave broadcasting to become yeah. an entrepreneur. Somebody else, Johnny is a teacher, Mary is whatever. And it's the same with RTE mm. in the sense that they, they, they box you in. Uh, and I think it's the way management works. I, 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 I don't disagree with it. But it's also, for me, I found it a bit stifling uh, and a bit restrictive. I just mentioned earlier, I, I loved uh, yourself, Gay Byrne and Michal. They were my three heroes in broadcasting. But I also knew I'd never be Michal because there was only one Michal, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And he could do 80 All-Ireland Finals. And I knew 
as time went by, I wouldn't do 80 All-Irelands. And I had no ambition. I had to be me, if you know what I mean, yeah. and be, be whatever God gave me to be able to explore as much as possible. And the biggest thing I love is people. I would agree to do this interview with you, not because I admired you for your career, but I just enjoy talking to you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I, there is a part of me that finds the correspondency a little bit restrictive because it is clip Voiceover, clip, voiceover, piece, piece to camera. Yeah. Marty Morrissey, RT News, Croke Park. But then, of you course, I mean? Marty, the thing is this. Uh, if you do, supposing, I'm not for a mm. moment suggesting you're going to, but yeah. supposing you take that leap into the unknown, mm. you will do programs, some of which will succeed, some mm. of which will not succeed. Mm. It's a risk. So there's the, there's the comfort of the security in your staff job and knowing I can stay in this and I can go on for another 20 years. Yeah. If you go out into the, the, the tough freelance world, you, you're you probably going to be offered a contract, a three-year contract maybe or something yeah. like that. There's a chance that it won't go any further than that. I've seen people, I would be thinking of performers like, say, Carrie Crowley, brilliant, yeah. brilliant broadcaster, Absolutely. Carrie, overexposed yes. and put into the wrong shows. Correct. Yeah. So, in other words, you've got to be prepared to be the author of your own destiny. In other yes. words, be careful what you choose. Mm. Don't just take on things for the sake of taking them on. You're immensely popular around. I mean, there's no... Thank you. You're yeah. immensely popular and it's fantastic to have the ability that you have to relate to people and to have that to come across on the screen. But if, if you do decide, I'm not suggesting you're going yeah. to, but if you do decide, mm. it's a chance, isn't it? Is, it? You it know is. that. And I know that from all some of my own colleagues who are freelancers or whatever are indeed uh, people in other in other walks of life. And I'm not saying I'm doing it either, yes, I but I, I, I would be dishonest to you if I didn't say it's definitely in my thoughts. Because, you know, life life is short, and, I, and I've learned this with COVID-19. And I see uh, the great people on the front line who gave up their lives in many cases to be there and, to, and, and got sick to try and help others. And you think, do you know what? While I was off, if you want to call off, and I was really off, um, it was strange because it kind of gave me a different perspective. I could hear the birds singing again. You know what I mean? The sharks came back to Kilhee. Um, the 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 fish in Venice came back, if you know what I mean. Not that I was, and you suddenly say, and I even saw the stars at night. I know that sounds ridiculous because while I love Dublin, I'd be an adopted son of Dublin. But I've been Dublin has been good to me. But sometimes you can't see the stars at night. Where you're out in the country and there's no lights, you can. And it kind of gave me a different perspective to a bit of solace and a bit of time to reflect. And I also thought, you know what? I didn't feel the last 25 years going in RTE because I was in a job that I loved. Yeah. So it, it kind of... It kind of You're at a crossroads. I am, Basically, yeah. you are. Yeah, I, I can see it in yeah, your career. Yeah, You're at a crossroads. Yeah, yeah. And, and may I wish you well Thank in you, whatever Mike. decision you take, if yeah. you take that decision, yeah. Marty. Thank you, Mike. Where did you come from? Tell me about your background and your family. I know you. I know you spent time in America when you were yeah. young and things like that. But just give me a, give me a read on your very, parents and your background. Yeah. Very briefly, my father went to school in in his time in CBS. Did everything off Squelga, and uh, he was from West Clare, a little place where I'm where we now. Live as such. Uh, and now, a very fancy word is on the Wild Atlantic Way, outside the villages of Quilty and Mullock. And he went teaching in Mallow, in the Patrician, and he rented a room. And this girl came along, she was a hairdresser, um, and the, the, the house was owned by the, her cousins. And they fell in love and basically went to America. 
So Peggy and Martin met they, up. Did they get married? They did. They got married and went to, went to the went States. They went to the States. Okay, brilliant. So uh, I don't think they ever thought uh, a child was going to come because they were married four or five years before I arrived. But when my mother got pregnant, they, they insisted, they both decided I was going to be born uh, in Ireland. His conscription was in the States at the time. This is far-reaching thinking. Oh. So when they, they knew they were going to try and make their career in in America. Basically, my father, my father was an only child, my mother's an only child, and I'm an only child. So I have no first cousins, no aunts, no uncles. But my father's father, my grandfather, loved the land. He reminded me so much of Richard Harris in the field. That was my memory of him. The field and the land was everything. And he used milk cows at four o'clock in the morning and then have a race with other farmers with the pony and trap down to the Onaguera, back which is a creamery, and they give in their milk. And then they'd, they'd have almost bets who they'd beat each other in the morning. To get there. To get there. Like, when Is you think right? about it. right? Yeah. I never heard of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was, that was normal. So my father didn't really want the land. The land was poor. The land was, uh, you know, it was, it was not rich land by any means in West Clare. In fact, a small bit of history is that my grandfather was offered uh, to sell the land because it went back right to the, to the coastline. Because back in the 30s, they were thinking about building an airport. But my father thought the land was so precious, which it wasn't, that they moved in, into the estuary and Shannon Airport was built. So Shannon Airport could have been in West Clare at uh, one stage. But anyway, uh, my father and mother anyway, went off to America and then the, I, I was uh, born in Mallow in County Cork. And then three weeks later, I was shipped off to America and I spent the first almost 11 years of my life in New York going to school in in, uh, in the Bronx, in St. Anne's, in Bainbridge Avenue. What are your memories of that? My memories are uh, every morning, it's rain, hail, sleet or snow, holding my, my hand across my heart and pledging my allegiance to the American flag because that's what you do. Yeah. And it was a grey pants, grey and red little tie, white shirt. And it was, it was a Catholic school, St. Anne's. It was the Dominican nuns. And there was one nun that was took a fancy to me uh, because she, I was Irish and she was Irish and she kind of took care of me, Sister Thomas, lovely lady. And uh, because there were Indians, there were Romanians, there were Germans, there were all nationalities, obviously Americans, some Indian uh, girls as well. But I was, um, there was a lad from Wexford, Dennis Murphy. He was the only other Irish boy in the class. But it was different. It was kind of... Uh, it was kind of strange. Every Wednesday, we'd have to do uh, what we thought was a fire drill. And the alarm would go off, and we'd all march down the stairs, out onto the basketball court, and we'd then be brought outside the basketball court. But the parents were getting concerned about it, and the police would arrive every Wednesday. But what it was, was there was a public school down the road, and the lads for the crack would ring up the school and say there was a bomb in our school to get the Catholic boys out. And, the, and girls. Uh, and so, we came, so it was a little... Like, to get them out, why? Get them, just to have the fun to see just them Just to outside. have the fun just yeah. to see them out. Yeah, yeah. Really? For goodness <laughs> but, sake. But it was, it was strange. Like, it was a mixed culture, Mike, because for me, in the sense that while I did my... Uh, because that's what I was, that was what I was told to do uh, when you're six, seven. So you were American Monday to Friday. And then every Sunday you went to Gaelic Park and you became Irish again. Because you went to Gaelic Park because it was before mobile phones and before texts and emails. And my father was a travel agent. Uh, so everybody would book with a travel agent to come home to Ireland or go on holidays to the Caribbean. Because when my father and mother went to America first, my father worked with Cook's Travel and then with Aer Lingus for a little while. And then he went into a travel agency called Fairways. And then he went out on his own. 
So I remember, I have a great fascination with planes and aviations. I love airports. And my father, when he, got, when he opened up his travel agency, he'd bring me to Kennedy Airport. And he'd be gone off, and I'd be one of those kids at the window looking at the planes and the pilot, the big planes coming in. And, you know, you could see right into the cockpit. And I just loved that. And so when I was growing up initially, I wanted, well, there was two choices, to be a bus driver, uh, because uh, the bus used to make lovely sound. Um, then I wanted to be a priest, uh, and I used to put a towel around my shoulder, and uh, I'd have a Marietta biscuit as the host. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, then eventually was a pilot. Yeah, I was definitely going to be a pilot because of my dad's uh, business, uh, in the travel business. So they're only just memories. But the amazing thing is about the Irish in New York, Gaelic Park was an employment exchange. It didn't matter whether Mike Murphy was from Dublin or Marty was from Clare. Once you knew somebody, you'd go to Gaelic Park on a Sunday and say, Mike is coming over next, next Tuesday. Any chance you get him a job? Now, you could be plumbing, electrician. And the networking was fantastic, fantastic yeah. you know? Now, it's still there strong, but obviously the world has changed yeah. and it's less contact, yeah. uh, except maybe on a Sunday. Why did you come back to Ireland? Why did the family come back? Like, what age were you? Did you say you were 10 or 11 when you came back? Why We came, the, we came back in August. The whole family, the, the whole three family, of you. The three of us. <clears throat> and uh, they decided, because of conscription, I was going to have to have, <clears throat> I, although I had an Irish passport, and I, I, was, I was a dual citizen, because my father had taken out American citizenship. But because I was educated in New York, uh, once I went into high school at that time, you would have to do an army service. There was no ifs, buts, and ands. So, of course, being the only child, they thought this was... Like, if we put him into high school, well, then by the time he's finished high school, he'll, he'll be conscripted for a year or two and have to do service. So I don't think they wanted to do that. So a pub came up for sale in my father's home place in Quilty, uh, Martin Casey uh, owned it, and my father uh, bought it. So we came home to West Clare when I was about to enter. There was another year. I had another year to do, because there was only 10. <clears throat> but because the pub came up for sale, we came home a year earlier than planned, or at least what they had planned. Heck of a change, wasn't it, yeah. coming back to Quilty from uh, so, the Bronx? Mike, you've no idea, because wow. we lived in 4D, I think was our apartment. So we were on the fourth floor in a very tiny apartment. And... But you'd see the lights. You know, you'd look out the window and you'd see lights. Where, when we came home to Quilty, there was one light uh, outside the pub, because there's, there's only one pub in Quilty, you'd drive through it. And the next, the only other light was the light from the Aran Islands Lighthouse. And my bedroom was over the shop. It was a little grocery shop and a pub. And every 13 seconds, you'd see the light from the Aran Island Lighthouse going round. And I said to myself, Dad, what have you done like? Do you know what I mean? Was he happy that he came back? Did he? Have... No, no, he was very happy. I think he missed the travel business. And the pub business was a very different business, uh, even to what it is now. And uh, so it was a whole new exploration for him. But I, I, think, I, think he, uh, I think he enjoyed it. But I also thought, I remember when I came home, I was happy to come home because all I wanted to do was play football and hurling. Because I got the love of football and hurling in Gaelic Park. So I was happy. But obviously I wasn't concentrating on my book, so he told me at my intercert, either you concentrate or we're, we're, you're going to be here uh, in the pub business for the rest of your life. And I remember he's, he, it was one of those moments, my dad never sat me down, but he gave me a bit of a talking to, to cop on. And uh, so I kind of, from there on, I said, okay, I don't really want to be stuck in the pub all my life. And so it was kind of a, it was, it was a great experience because you meet a lot of people, you learn a lot about people in the pub. 
you get degrees in psychology and sociology and all sorts of ologies. Yeah. And if you ask me, of all the things in terms of education, what was the best education I got? Probably be being in the pub for six or seven years. Because you get to know people. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. Being future ready, it's a powerful feeling. Like pedalling to the top of the hill and knowing that now it's just freewheeling all the way to your front door. Feel powerful about your future. Talk to a financial broker about a pension powered by Zurich or visit zurich.ie. Zurich Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. If you have a free travel card, did you know that you can use it on expressway coach services all across Ireland? Travel from Cork City to Sligo Town, catch a flight from Dublin Airport or visit the home of the Titanic. Adventure awaits. And with reclining leather seats and free Wi-Fi, getting there is half the fun. Where will you go? Hop on board or visit expressway.ie. Now here's your chance to win a top-of-the-range smartphone designed specifically for an older person. Doro are market leaders in creating phones with clearer sound and larger text, one that's protected if it falls or can alert others if you do, and makes staying in touch with family and friends simple and enjoyable. At Doro, they are dedicated to helping seniors live a better life without compromise. Doro helped make ageing an independent, secure and rich part of life. After all, age is just a number. All you need to do to win a top-of-the-range smartphone, kindly provided by Doro, is to go to the website www.seniortimes.ie and follow the instructions. To see the full range of Doro phones, visit www.doro.com. The lucky winner will be announced on the Senior Times Facebook page. Doro Phones. Making technology easy for all. I know you had a significant formal education subsequently. Mm. You know, I know you, you, was it UCC you went to? Or I went to UCC, UCC yeah, and yeah. you did microbiology did. and medicine. And yeah. Why did you go into that area? Was it medicine that attracted you? It was. I, I think I wanted to cure the world and also meet as many nurses as I possibly could. <laughs> so I thought, and I look good in a white jacket. All the wrong reasons for <laughs> <Yeah>. doing this. <laughs> but... I suppose I just, I worked my my ass off, really. It wasn't that I was bright or intelligent. I was just a hard worker. But I also knew it, I wasn't that content about it, so I changed. Um, from what to what? From, from medicine to science. Medicine to science, is yeah, that I right? Did, that, that yeah, you was... can do that. You can do okay, that after yeah. three years. And then when I was doing that, I said, you know what, Mom and Dad, because I had to persuade them as well. They were very happy for what I was doing. Uh, I said, you know what, I think I might do a H-dip. So... I was heavily involved with the club at home, Mike, right? Yeah. Um, and everything I learned playing with UCC, because I was a Clare lad, but I was playing with Cork and Kerry lads. And I was lucky enough was to get on... Was this football hurling? Football, football yeah. primarily. And I was lucky enough to get on the Sigerson team and I played with the Kerry lads. And I said, you know what? There's no difference between these Cork and Kerry lads and the Clare lads, except Cork and Kerry lads believe that they can win all Irelands, where Clare, just we do great if we win the first round, if you know what I mean. It was I a do. psychological I thing. So I went back to the club and I started training... Lads who were only three or four years younger than me 
during the summer, summer thing. And gee, didn't we win a couple of things? So one day, um, uh, this woman, I was at home, and I was home alone, actually, and this woman knocked on the front door. And in, you know yourself, Mike, in country life, some people, you never knock on your front door. Everybody comes in the back door. Yeah. So this was definitely a stranger. So this woman came in, and uh, she says, I'm looking for Martin Morrissey. And I said, oh, well, he's out at the moment, but come on in. So he came in anyway. And she says, I want him to train the local football team, and I, or the, the school football team. We're going co-educational. And I said, well, my father would never clue anyway. So it dawned, I said, I think this is me. This is me you're after. And she said, but you're too young, because I was only 19 or 20. She said, no, I said, I took on the, the teams. Father O'Keefe told me to talk to Martin Morrissey. And I said, well, we distinguished my father and myself between Martin and Marty. So bottom line was that I ended up taking, uh, while I was doing my H-dip in UCC, taking the young lads in the school in Spanish Point at weekends when I was home. And I'd teach them a bit of football, uh, which was the main sport down the West Clare. And then the following August, she came to me and she says, would you, would you come into the school for the month of September and teach PE? No qualification in PE, just bar my own learning, you know, through yeah. a fanatical sports person. So I went into Spanish Point um, and for the month of September and after three weeks, uh, Sister Baptist was the science teacher and poor Sister Baptist, who was a great friend of mine who became a great friend of mine as well. She became very ill. So Sister Cecilia, oh, she's a great lady, uh, but pure cracked, like absolute mad on sport, you know, and sport, bringing the boys, bringing the, the, the school in Spanish Point co-educational meant that she wanted football for the boys. Thus, yeah. I came into the picture. So anyway, three weeks into September, Sister Baptist got ill. And Cecilia asked me, to know, would I stay until the end of October? And I said, I would. And I would go back. So I, I was enjoying it. And I was getting paid, Mike. So it was and, great. And, but at the same time, you were studying. At the I same was, time. Well, I was going to go back, go back to medicine. Yeah. Or go back to maybe look for a job. I wasn't actually, didn't know what I was doing, to be honest. So anyway, I stayed around the last week of October. She says to me, Sister Baptist is not very well. She's not improving. We can offer you a contract or a job for the year. So I ended up teaching, not for one year, but for three years. Teaching what? Science. Science, maths. really. Well, I also did geography, history. Yeah, I did everything, really. as Good, you do yeah. in school. And I loved my time. And uh, we were lucky. Uh, the football was a success. We won a Munster College's title uh, there. Uh, which I'm very proud of because there was a mixture of lads from Quilty, from my own club, Kilmary O'Brien, yeah. and Milltown Malbay, Clare, all the West Coast, uh, and Jumbeg. I was living back at home with mom and dad again, and I felt, geez, I haven't, I wanted to kind of, I enjoyed So you were freedom. what age, 19, 20? I was now, what, 20, uh, I was what, 22? 22, 22, okay, yeah. And I said, back at home again, and I loved it, but am I going to stay here now until I'm 65? And didn't know what I was going to do. And then... I got a phone call in the end of October. Patrick Galvin was the local post office man. He says, we're in the county final, which I knew about, obviously, because I was heavily involved. In the county final tomorrow, we're going to do a video. And would you do a commentary on it? And I laughed. I said, I've never done. I never heard my voice. I just never. It was not, a, not an option. It was never a career choice. And I said, I would be crap at it. Are you joking me? And I said, why not try Patrick Murray, Jeremy McCarthy, uh, Ben Power, all lads, Brian Galvin, all lads at home. And he said, okay. And he said, I won't do it. He said, but you know them because you're teaching the two teams, if you know what I mean. I said, no, 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 I won't do it. So anyway, that was fine. Came back to me at half 11. The game was on Sunday, on Saturday night. He says, none of them will do it. So I'm relying on you. Will you please do it? 
So I said, okay, I'll do it for you. And I said, but hopefully nobody will ever listen to this. And that was my honest feeling. That was your first. That was, that was my first. Wow. So we went down to uh, Jumbeg. And I, I mean, I love my own crowd at home because they are cracked. And they love set dancing. They love music and they love football. But we knew, they knew when we were doing the video that Jumbeg at the time had no stand. There was just a little tilt of an embankment. So to do the video properly, they drove a tractor and trailer from my parish down to Dumbeg, past what is now Donald Trump's place, Dumbeg Golf Club, down to the football field, put the tractor and trailer sideways on the embankment. It was October. <laughs> put up sheets of galvanized because the Atlantic was coming in from Kilkee. And I did my first commentary. Fantastic. Fantastic. Also another and, fluke. <laughs> and, listen, and, and that is literally how you start. Yeah, how and, and did you kind of feel, this is for me? I like uh, it. I, well, I, I, on the Monday night, or the Tuesday night, they were charging 50 pence to go into the hall to listen or to watch the video. This really does sound like the Dark Ages, doesn't it? Um, this is 1984, as I think. And uh, Mary Kate Galvin, God be good to her now, she, I met her in the shop. She was the post office, Patrick's wife. She says, you should start applying to RTE. It's really good. I said, it's not. And uh, I kind of did it like Michal and Mary Hertig, if you know what I mean. I know what you mean. You were I, kind I of was a copying. pastiche. Absolutely. Yeah, pastiche Michal. Correct. Yeah. And I was, I, I, everything, and tis a high dropping ball, you know the way, Michal. Yeah. <laughs> and I, she doesn't even sound like me anyway. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and then... Oh, I know. Marty, I hear myself back sometimes. Mm. And I was so posh when, oh. I was, when I was an announcer in radio. Yes. And we were kind of encouraged to sound as much like the BBC as you possibly can. Oh. Kind, without it ever being said. Yeah. But I kind of cringe, as indeed I'm sure you've done yourself at your first yeah. commentary. <laughs> like a light bulb yeah. moment. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, we got a booking three weeks later in Thurless, in Simple Stadium for the Munster Club hurling final between Six Mile Bridge and Patrick's Well. So I went from the back of a tractor and trailer the end of October to three weeks later being in Simple Stadium. And that's when I got the bug. Because now I said, wow, look at this. Do this you know, is a breeze. This is a breeze. I really am. I know them all. I do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm in Simple Stadium. I couldn't believe it. And I genuinely, um, because I, it was a new Simple Stadium at the time. It had just been renovated. And then I decided to start applying to RTE um, the following January, February. And I got three years of rejection of letters. Did you? I did. And you then, applied as sports, I presume sports, sports commentator, yeah, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I remember applying to radio. Radio wouldn't even tolerate uh, talking to me at all. Uh, where TV, Tim, I wrote to Fred Cogley because I thought I looked up somewhere that he was the head of sport. But I learned that it was Tim O'Connor. Then I rang one day and I got uh, Frank Whelan. And Frank says to me, you know, look, he says, I'm, I'm sick of you ringing. And you know Frank is very witty. Frank, Frank is administrative, administrative, on the administrative side, the sports Correct. department, yeah. yeah. But Frank, I think, took great sympathy on me. He says, look, he says, Jess, we're fed up with you ringing here. We either get rid of you or we're going to give you a chance. I'm going to talk to Tim. So that was fine. Come up to me. That was it. Oh, yeah, he said, come up to me. So we met in Madigan's. And we sat down, because we never met. All I was doing was sending up VHSs. Not DVDs now, yeah. VHSs. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he said, oh, geez, we're sick of you applying. And uh, he said, but look, come up and we'll have a chat. I think he wanted to suss me up. Was I anyway decent at all? So we had lunch in Madigan's, and he went back in. That was just before Christmas. And in the beginning of February, he rang me to know, would I, do, would I be available on Sunday to do a match? And I said... Uh, 
I, I, absolutely. I said, will I, when will I get the result of this audition? And it was in Croke Park. It was Dublin Roscommon, league game. He says, you get it that night because we're putting you out. And he had, he had I think, persuaded Tim to give me a chance. Sink or swim. So off I went to Croke Park. I'd never been in the commentary box before. Uh, it was the old Croke Park but it was kind of my dreams. If they never gave me a gig, actually, I was happy to do the audition. Well, you must have been terribly nervous. Oh, stop. I, I mean, that, that was a nerve-wracking introduction, yeah. let's be honest. Big time, big time. And a test. And it was on EFP, uh, single-camera yeah. coverage. Yeah. But they were still putting out on Sunday Sport that night. Yeah. But I remember the, the camera crew were uh, saying to me, look, don't relax. They knew I was the new kid on the block. Relax, you'll be fine. Just remember, there's a million and a half about to listen to you. And it was yeah. a big laugh. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I got used to the Dublin wish very yes, quickly. Quite. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, and I suppose I never, I, they relaxed me in some ways by making me laugh, you know. That was 1989, Mike. How were your parents about that? I mean, you'd, you'd now gone from, you know, you're going to, heading for a good, steady, pensionable job yeah. to indulging yourself in this kind of nonsense. Yeah. And what was their reaction? Well, if Mike Murphy met Peggy Morrissey, my mother right now, within 10 minutes, she said, she would say to you, and he gave up a fine, pensionable job. That's right. To follow this nonsense. Absolutely. And he could be home with me now, minding yeah. yeah. me. That yeah. would be the ultimate thing. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and said, pure madness. That's her great phrase, pure madness. Instead of going teaching and being local. Yeah. And then gradually, as you began to make a name, yeah. she became terribly proud of you. Ah, she, ah, she of course, would be, yeah. yeah. Of course, yeah. What but about your father? What, what happened with your father? My father, uh, my father smoked an awful lot, uh, Mike. Um, yeah. And uh, I remember one day I was in, I was filming in Killarney actually, and my mother rang me to say that dad had collapsed, um, and um, he was in Ennis at the time. He was very near the hospital, and it was only that that really saved him. And uh, Dr. Terry Hennessy, a cardiologist, had just started. I don't think they had a cardiologist in Innes General Hospital before that, but he just started. But literally, Terry Hennessy saved my father's life. And, um, and for that, I would be forever thankful. But uh, he had a pacemaker. He had a triple bypass subsequently, above here in the matter. And he had a pacemaker installed. And we got six great years with Dad. And I, was, I, was, I went over shopping uh, to New York in December 2004. And he, he actually brought me to the airport. And we, uh, we went from Shannon. We Normally we'd leave from Dublin. We went from Shannon. And he, looked, he was looking great. And uh, he loved Darrow Breen. And Darrow Breen was on the show that Saturday night. So it was Saturday night we flew. And uh, anyway, at five o'clock in the morning, got a phone call uh, to say on the, it was Sunday morning, five o'clock New York time to say that he died in his sleep. Very sad. Yeah. Well, he was a, he, you'd have liked him, Mike. I mean, he was a good man. He was very, he was never in a bad mood. He was always, mm. and he was pragmatic. And he enjoyed my adventure, yeah. if you know what I mean, yeah. and pursuing something. The fact that you're um, an only child, and as you said, no uncles or aunts, because no. your parents were only children yeah. as well. Um, how has that reflected on you? Is, is your private life a restricted life, or do you, or do you make it? a sociable and social private life to go along with your your mm. the fame, if you want to call it that? Good question. God, you're playing a blinder here, Mike, I have to say. You're <laughs> flying it. Um, if I was to be honest, I suppose to, as I get older, I've reflected more on that. You know, they, they talk life balances. 
um, I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought that my life balance was correct if I was to be honest. I've been very lucky to do what I what I what I do. What I I've been lucky to do what I do, and I'm lucky that I love what I do, if I can put it like that. Uh, and as I've described to you, each step of the way was kind of almost a bit of a fluke. Um, and well, then, you were persistent, Marty. Let's be honest. Yeah, you were persistent. Yeah, so no, I, yeah. it was a bit of a fluke in certain ways, but you you did plot your own path. I did, yeah. And I, I, I remember when I got my job in RTE Cork, and I loved Cork, I also knew that I wouldn't be happy unless I got to RTE Dublin. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I felt that in this business, you had to prove yourself at a yeah. national level. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I would be critical of me now at this stage that I I didn't get the the life balance right because I gave so much to my career. Um, but and I also reflect now and say, gosh, where did that time go? Do you know? Um, I've made very good friends, uh, Mike, over the years, and I I would have a a set of loyal friends. I've always kept contact with my friends at home, and because of being an only child, friends are so important to me. They're kind of like an extended yeah. family. And I didn't miss having a brother or sister until dad died. Because when dad died, it kind of, now it was just mom and myself, if you know what I mean. And I have found the last 15, 16 years wonderful in many ways, but difficult in another, if you know what I mean. Because I'm conscious of trying to keep her going as much as I can. And I know that I going home once a week is so important to her because she then finds time very long. Because as she gets older, a lot of her friends have passed away. Yeah. Well, what's her lot. situation at the moment? She's at home alone. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of and she's very religious and she goes to mass and she's a, um, a Eucharistic minister and that that is yeah. her life. Um, but a lot of her friends have passed away, so her circle of friends have dwindled yeah. a little bit. Do you know what I mean? And I also notice that people don't call in as much as they used to, not because. There's there been any row with the Morrises. Mm. No. Mm. Yeah, but and and people have become more they've been distracted. There's emails to do. You know what I mean? It's they, a different You world. see, people can stay in touch with the rest of the world yeah. and friends and family yeah. by tech not through technology Correct. now. So exactly. the, the physical going from house to house is not as prevalent. No, no. And and in terms of your own your own personality, are are you an intimate kind of a person insofar as is is your Life and is your mode of communication more with people on a superficial level, or do you are you comfortable with intimacy? Uh, I I would have a small circle of friends. There'd be certain people that would we would ring every day to each other. They're almost like brothers and sisters. Do you know what I mean? Um, but. Yeah, I'd be okay on intimacy, I think. I know what you mean. Yeah. In that, in, in, but in you're that. very protective of your privacy, aren't you? I am. I mean, yeah. I know you've, as I mentioned, you've yeah. a partner. Yeah. I know you've a partner. It's a long-standing... Yeah. It is, yeah. Is it? Okay. Yeah. That's really important to you. I'm, I'm absolutely assuming well, it's... Yeah. No, it is very important. Uh, but it's also, I suppose, I don't mind having the public persona or the figure, if you know what I mean. But I've always kind of tried, felt that... My private life was my private life. Yeah. You know, I but, always had that attitude. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, your public persona would be, there's a, a little hint of the jack of the lad about you. Yeah. There's a, a hint of you kind of a bit of, you know, a bit of a lad, fond of the women, <laughs> uh, extrovert, 
friendly, outgoing and all that. But very often, I, I know and we all know, people, many people who are like that actually are, are quite shy and can be introverted and yeah. can be very private on their own side. Yeah, and, and I probably would be that. Yeah, you know what I'm I mean? not surprised. Yeah, I, I probably would if I was to be honest, I would. I mean, um, I'm trying to answer your question honestly now. I think... The Jack the Lad, yeah, I suppose I've, I've kind of dwelt on that a little bit for the fun over the years. It's not really real, to be honest with you, Mike. I mean, I, 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 I joke that, you know, that I'm a, a sex symbol, but nobody believes me, you know, <laughs> not even myself, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it's only a bit of banter and a bit of yeah, fun. Yeah. But I've, I suppose I've, I've been lucky to make good friends, yeah. but the, 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 the intimacy that you talk about would be within an inner circle again. Yeah. And it would be... I don't know why it's perfect. I, it would be tight. I, I can imagine. If you know I, what I mean. I, I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah. If you have a free travel card, did you know that you can use it on expressway coach services all across Ireland? Travel from Cork City to Sligo Town, catch a flight from Dublin Airport, or visit the home of the Titanic? Adventure awaits. And with reclining leather seats and free Wi-Fi, getting there is half the fun. Where will you go? Hop on board or visit expressway.ie. Being future ready? It's a powerful feeling. Like putting your out-of-office on for your holidays. Start time now, end time two whole glorious weeks from now. Happy days. Feel powerful about your future. Talk to a financial broker about a pension powered by Zurich or visit zurich.ie. Zurich Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Let me ask you this. In terms of uh, the GAA... Um, there are so many people who will be listening to this who will be saying, God, will you talk to him about the GAA? Um, I don't want to go into it in too much detail either, but suffice to say, I, I do believe they are a fantastic organisation and I know that during the recent COVID stuff, they were incredible in terms of helping out in every society to which they were relevant in terms of stepping out and helping people and so on. I think it's an amazing organisation and I know, I know you have huge admiration and affection for the GAA and for the people in it. Um, but I was talking to a friend of mine and I was telling him I was going to be chatting to you and he was really keen to ask you a couple of questions about the actual playing of the games. Right. <laughs> I want to ask you now, putting you somewhat on the spot, to see um, in terms of your own career and your own lifetime of watching hurling and football, concentrating purely on men's hurling, uh, hurling and football, where do you rate the individual players that you saw. I mean, I know that in football you're you've got to look at Dublin and Kerry mainly, you know, and then, then you have Tip and Cork and Kilkenny and but um in, in hurling. But anyway, in terms of players, if I ask you to do the following, in football, from from your lifetime of watching foot football, senior football, the best goalkeeper, the best defender, mm. the best midfielder, and the best forward. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, um I, a friend, well, the same friend, by the way, sent me his selection. So oh, I'm interested. So so do your best there with right. what you're. Can I can I answer one thing that you said because uh, and you're right. Your description is right. The GA, to me, is a very special organisation. It's it's it is the heartbeat of of, of Ireland for me, um, whether it be urban or rural. Um, and I often said at various gigs I do, I'd hate to see Ireland without the GA. But we almost saw it during COVID nineteen because we did have we didn't have any games, but yet the very essence of what the J is about uh, community, um, pride, sense of belonging, all came to the floor because of COVID nineteen. 
there were people helping each other out. Parishes that wouldn't would be unfriendly to each other, like rivalry, if you know what I mean, in a, in a nice way. They were helping each other out. Loads of charity work being done, volunteer work being done, people visiting each other, all done by the GA. Um, so I'm very proud of them. And I suppose people say, how come you're so connected with the GA? How come you don't, you know, you're not soccer rugby? I suppose because of what we've discussed in my life, going back and forth between Ireland and New York. When I came home to West Clare, I found a sense of belonging. I found I was at home because of games. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I made friends. And, and being that only child, I needed to have those brothers and sisters I didn't have. Well, it's like you described earlier on about um, a Gaelic park in New York yeah. where it was the HQ, a social HQ as well as an Abs- almost unemployment agency 100%. at the same time. Absolutely. Okay, go, anyway, go, go on to... Okay. I've given, I've given my okay. gospel to St. Martin. Do the football, football, right, football. first. Yeah, goalkeeper, you okay. can't go beyond Cluxton. No, oh yeah. I, but I will say... Are, am I right there? You are 100% okay, right. But right. I will say one thing. I wrote as a child to Billy Morgan. I loved Billy Morgan, the Cork goalkeeper. And my father brought me to see him in Bishopstown, just an aside. So up to Stephen Cluxton's arrival, Billy Morgan was my number one. But Stephen Cluxton has had a massive influence on GA. And there was, I, I think he's untouchable as a goalkeeper. Yeah, number okay. One. Number one. Yeah. Defenders, Brilliant. cross the defenders. Just uh, uh, two or three defenders. Seamus Moynihan of Kerry would be up there at probably number one. I just thought he was outstanding. I, I know this go, is going back in time, but when Kevin Moran was playing with the Dubs, God, I love Kevin Moran. Yeah. Oh, he was superb. Um, midfielder would be Jack O'Shea. That's interesting, all right. Yeah. So defender. And Jack, Jack would be your midfielder. Oh, God, he yeah. was a great Jack, player, wasn't Jack he? O'Shea. I tell you who's heading in that direction. And I know you mentioned about Kerry in Dublin, but Brian Fenton is heading in that direction. Hmm. He came on the scene in 2015, 16, he's never lost a championship match. Remarkable. Kevin Cassidy was a great player for Donegal. Go, go midfield, so, okay. Midfield. Well, my number one would be Jack O'Shea. Jack O'Shea. Mick O'Connell okay. was kind of, I know they always talk about Mick O'Connell. Mick was a bit before. He was before my time, yeah. Okay, forwards? Forwards. Well, there are so many. Mikey Sheehy, uh, Peter Canavan, Cullum Gooch Cooper. Oh, yeah, Gooch was a fantastic Gooch player. Was brilliant. Right? Absolutely yeah, he was brilliant, brilliant, wasn't he? Michael Murphy, my namesake. Michael Murphy, brilliant, brilliant footballer. Yeah. You could play him anywhere, yeah. in midfield yeah. or whatever. Uh, Canavan, I mean, Canavan is even smaller than me. Uh, yeah. What a player. Jepers, he was just fantastic. Yeah. Move on to hurling, will you? And just do the same thing again. Right, okay. Well, God, there are so many great goalkeepers uh, over the years, whether it be Ollie Walsh or Noel Skihan or Brendan Cummins. Or... Damien Fitzhenry would have been up there at number one for me for a long, long time. But the present Kilkenny goalkeeper, Owen Murphy, I think is... Really? Is absolutely brilliant. Oh, yeah, he's different class. Different class, yeah. Owen Murphy. Um, God, hasn't, hasn't Cody done an amazing job with Kilkenny through the years? Job. I mean, he really, really has, hasn't he? I can't He's remember. been like the Alex Ferguson, hasn't oh, he? Oh, big time. He's either 21 or 22 years. I forget now. To yeah. Be it was like being a manager for that long. Yeah, amazing. I, I have to say, I remember we got a brainwave uh, at work that we would say, what about Brian Cody? What does he do other than manage Kilkenny? So I came up with the idea that we would go down to, to Mr. Cody and ask him, what would he do on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and Thursday? And we thought this was going to make a great feature. So he said, uh, so down we went and said, so Brian, what would you do on a, on a Monday night? Well, the under-14s are playing below on the pitch and I might go down and have a look at them. And Tuesday night would be senior training. Okay, Wednesday night. The junior Bs are training on a Wednesday night. 
And by the time we got to Friday, we just said, you know what? This is a total waste of time. <laughs> yeah, this is not going to work. That was it. We wanted him to talk about playing golf or going to yeah, the movies or whatever. None of that. Everything is hurling. Okay. Everything. Anyway, Defender. Sorry. Defender. Hurling. 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 Ryan Corcoran of Cork. Uh, Shawnee McMahon of Clare. Jackie Terrell um, of Kilkenny. Yeah, good. Go to forwards. The forwards there. Again, you're looking at Kilkenny, aren't you? Uh, DJ. Yeah, DJ Carey. Kerry yeah, DJ Carey. Most of them would be Kilkenny. Do you know, funny thing, that would be right, wouldn't you? Look at Eddie Carey. I mean, Henry Shefflin. Oh, Henry. King Henry. What a player. I mean, isn't it the truth? These yeah. these boys were something else from Kilkenny. From Kilkenny, correct. James O'Connor and Clare would be a good, a very good player. Uh, Jimmy Barry Murphy and Cork. Yeah, uh, Babs Keating. Bit again. Babs was. I was only a young lad now watching Babs Keating. Oh, he was the barefoot a one. Seventy one, yeah. I think it was. Uh, the Dooleys in Offaly. Um, Davy Fitzgerald wasn't a bad player himself no, in his not, time, was no, he? No, no, he was. He was. He was. He, really a, he was a great friend of mine, and uh, God, he's he's a he's a great character, and he's he's so much loved in Wexford. It's, it's yeah, it's he not is, funny. isn't oh. he? Okay, you've done really well. And you coincided so well with Pat Power's selection here. Listen, let me ask you this before we go. Yeah. You're a sartorial delight. <laughs> and I'm just wondering, do you have a dress advisor t- tucked away somewhere? John Russia, perhaps? Have you somebody who advises you on the ensembles that you choose to wear when you're on television? Well, Mark? thank you very much, Mike. Yeah. And I totally agree with your judgment, as you can see with my blue uh, jeans today. And a the Amanorak is not quite in keeping with what I was expecting. No, no, frankly, no. But anyway, go on. Well, yeah. particularly for your podcast, yeah. you would expect a bit of a cravat yes. and a collar and tie or whatever. Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, Patrick Burke and Kilrush, uh, and Kilrush and Innes is very kind to me uh, in terms of advice. But usually I have to rely on Liz, actually, my other half, to say, are you joking? Are you joking? Do not <laughs> You're not going out in, in that. that. Correct. And that white shirt is worn. Can you not see all the wrinkles on it? No. <laughs> and I thought, but it's fine. Nobody will see it. It doesn't matter. But so, Marty, you do insist on opening the extra button down, don't you, to show important. off that manly chest? Very important. And not a rib of hair to be seen. <laughs> Marty, I just can't wish you well enough, as, as much as I'd like. Yeah, I wish you the you. very best for the future. You're a delightful man. Thank you. And uh, I, you've got an energy about you that deserves to be rewarded. You'll always be popular. You'll well, always you, have people who will want to be with you, to meet you, to socialise with you, and to maybe lend a hand if necessary. Mm. But anyway, I just I wish you every success with thank the rest you. of your career, and thank you so much for joining me. Well, I'm delighted, Mike Murphy, because I watched you for years on TV and listened to you on the radio, and you're a trailblazer. So, I mean, you 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 guided us, the rest of us. So I'm delighted to be part of your show. That's the truth. Marty Morrissey, thank you. Mike Murphy, thank you. <laughs> That's all from us for this week. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and that you'll join us again. The Senior Times podcast is produced by Conor O'Hagan and brought to you by Senior Times magazine, Zurich Expressway, Doro, and the Sports Surgery Clinic. This is Mike Murphy saying goodbye for now. Goodbye.